morning to you, everyone. <laughs> I had a bacon sandwich this morning to start the game. Yeah. Uh, treated myself. Went went for two eggs. Nice. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was an absolute slut. It was just beautiful. It was just oh. perfect. Perfect egg. Fried but, eggs? Yeah, fried eggs. But then it's just gone down with jeans. And you know what? I'm just embracing it. Yeah. Why did you eat? So why did you have breakfast in your jeans? That's the real. That's the real <laughs> question that everyone wants to know. That's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> I should have been naked. Mm. Um, but real men would be. Exactly. Um, well, I, yeah, I just got up and watched the rugby, and then and then I got changed, and then I thought, well, oh, I'll have something to eat, and then uh, before I know it, there's beautiful dripping eggs all over the gap. Um, Love it. Um, so we will get into like the whole comedy thing, but we will yeah. get into it later on. But like, what I'm quite interested in is how performers and stuff are shaped, right? Right. Okay. So take paint me a picture. What was it like for you? growing up what was little days like right um uh, well i had absolutely no idea about acting and comedy and all those things uh, yeah. you know how some kids are like oh yeah i'm six and i've already been leading a west end musical in oliver so you're like how how do you know this what do you know oh, yeah. and i was i was a, a, the baby on the kleenex out i don't know what you know yeah. i didn't know anything like that so i was just a pretty normal sort of lad yeah. but loved comedy yeah. teachers at school probably would have said yeah he's funny but annoying yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what kind of things did you do that were funny but annoying um, I guess the Americans would call it a class clown wouldn't mm. they mm. you know sort of harmless like I yeah. wasn't really bad or anything but I loved making people laugh that's it and I can even remember when I was younger like I can remember this little green where we used to play out and stuff standing there and some of the other kids just sat there and me just chatting about life yeah. and it was like that was basically my first comedy gig how old and were you? I used you? to sit and go, go on, tell us, tell us that joke, <laughs> and I would just do it. Yeah, this is probably yeah, eight or nine years old, just sat, and I was like a, a kid comedian before I even really knew what comedy was. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I invented comedy basically. Of course you fucking did. <laughs> so when, when, how old are you? Out of interest. Uh, how old am I now? Yeah. Oh, 34. 34, okay. Good age, good shot. Good age, age. that's fine. That's <laughs> yeah. I'm, an, I'm 28, so, you know, not Yeah, far, not, yeah. I think we'd still, I'd still be, I'm one of the oldest millennials. I think, yeah. I think they say, yeah, I'm just about in that age category or that generation, but I'm one of the older ones. Um, so yeah, growing up mainly in the 90s, established back in 85, so uh, <laughs> all the stuff that I was watching when I was a kid, you know, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, yeah. a lot of American stuff. I just watched loads, loads of them. Def Jam comedy. Um, then there was like Lee Evans and that old-fashioned English comedy mm. that I used to watch as well growing up. Mm. My dad likes Eric and Ernie and the two Ronnies and Pools and Horses and stuff like that. Um, even if some of that was, was finished by the time I was watching it, mm. I still loved it. Okay. But yeah, a lot of American stuff. Sitcoms as well. I used to watch Cheers and Taxi and stuff like that that was well beyond my years. Yeah. Stuff that, you know, my mates were watching, but then we'd go and watch, say, Rush Hour together. Of course. Yeah, of <laughs> and course. Rush Hour too. And Rush Hour too. Rush Hour 3, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if I remember right, Rush Hour, we used to watch things like Rush Hour. Um, and uh, and then just watch sometimes we just watch the outtakes. Yeah, <laughs> like that was like our sense of humour about ten years well, old. Well, like that watching ha- Jackie Chan fall over and Chris Tucker take the mickey out of him. Well, Rush Hour Two had the best outtakes I think I've ever seen in a film. Yeah, like yeah. it had that bit where he fell off where he fell off the um, where he fell off the roof and yeah. Chris Tucker goes, damn, he's not gonna do Rush Hour Three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Genius. And there's one bit where there's two guys and they're obviously actors that have got a part as cop number one and cop number two. You know, not like, uh, yeah. you know, not a name girl. And it's just like, show your badge. Show your, come on, show your badge. Come on, show your ass. And you just hear Chris Tucker's voice. 
Show your ass! Off camera, and then of course these guys just can't keep it together. Uh, and it's just brilliant. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we're talking about their comedy upbringing. Mine was just the rush hour outtakes. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but, yeah. Outside of comedy upbringing, like, what, what, not comedy upbringing, what was the normal upbringing like? Uh, normal upbringing, a really nice upbringing. Um, that's I, so rare. I know, yeah, I know. Uh, I think that's maybe why I don't do such tortured comedy like a lot of comedians. It's all quite nice. Yeah. To talk about our cats and stuff. But yeah, I was I was sort of so joked that me and my brothers were like first generation middle class. <laughs> uh, so my family are all from a place called Barron Furnace up in Cumbria, yeah. um, which is a proper like shipyard. They build submarines during the week and then play rugby league at weekends. Yeah. And uh, my dad got a job down south just before I was born and uh, in Luton and they were celebrating they had a pint in the pub and this bloke went oh Luton's a bit rough actually yeah. <laughs> and he was like oh I've never been there you know and, he, and this bloke went oh there's a little town called Flittick yeah. um, just outside that's quite nice not a lot happens there but they're building a Tesco so <laughs> <Thank God. laughs> so they sort of moved down there and then my brothers came down as kids and then I was born the third um, and then yeah so we had a, quite a nice upbringing mm. like obviously got a hard working family but you know, I talk a lot about... Have you done radio and stuff before? Yeah, um, so uh, I've done a whole uh, number of things. I was, a presenter. I was a roving presenter for a very short time oh, for nice. um, the Capital FM. Yeah. Uh, they were GCAP back in those days, GCAP Media, before they got bought out. And uh, I used to sort of, it'd be like Johnny Vaughan doing a breakfast show, and he'd be yeah. like, go and find, um, give you clues, and I'd be at the London Eye, basically, and so nice. I'd listen how to find me. If they did that, they'd win tickets to a, a concert at the O2 or something like that. Uh, but I only did it for a short amount of time because they, they did this big sort of kickoff conference where, um, where they interviewed the, uh, introduced the fact that they were going to start producing their own bands. That's a bit sickening, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so. They actually said the sentence, we own all the radio stations, so we might as well produce music. They well, introduced The Wanted and then they put them on the, uh, the radio every hour until they got, you know, top ten or number that's, one. That's a bit, well, that's weird that they create that they created The Wanted. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm a fan of the, I was a fan of The Wanted. I actually genuinely remember being my first year at uni and the first, their album came the album came on it was actually called The Wanted yeah. and I was like do you know what I'm going to download this yeah. and I bought it and it was perfectly fine listening enough yeah, yeah but, good pop music but that also explains why One Direction because my boy band knowledge is amazing <laughs> and phenomenal right one Direction were at one point banned from being played on Capital because they had yeah. they had rivaling boy bands. And you can't run a radio station and have a conflict of interest. You just need no. to play the best music, or as it is now, the best in your genre. So Absolute Radio will play they'll play bands and stuff like that, and Capital yeah. will just be the you know the, the sort of more mainstream kind of stuff. And um, Kiss FM will play R and B and dance yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but oh. yeah, it was it was weird. It, and you can see why they lost a lot of their big characters, the DJs yeah. that had been there for some time and they were really, really good because they 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 weren't yes men and now we've yeah. got a generation of yes like, men who sit the ra- Yeah, I'm just gonna say the radio DJs that we've got today are just so vanilla. Yes. Yeah. And they're just basically puppets. Like yeah. I cannot stand Roman Kemp. No. He, he's probably a really nice guy. Yeah. But he is just so annoying. You can't love everything, yeah. Roman. It's not possible. You cannot love every song that's on the radio. Yeah, and it's uh, I don't know. It's like it's like radio DJs for sort of to do the housework too. It's inoffensive. It's 
it's just kind of like, oh, come on, give us an opinion. Yeah. I talk about Chris Moyles. Hated it. Like, he, got, he, uh, he annoyed me so much. But now I'll be like, oh, I'll get him back on because uh, <laughs> I wouldn't listen to him. But at least he had an opinion. Exactly, uh, yeah. You know, he did things his own way. You know, now I'd rather that than just someone who's just a puppet for these yeah. producers who produce these radio stations and occasionally pop groups to go with them. Oh, jeez. But... They don't own all the radio. They didn't own all the radio stations, though, no. did they? They owned they they owned all the what are now like the Heart FM stations. So near me, it was Chilton FM. There yeah. was one in Bedford to the north, one in Luton to the south, and uh, yeah, they um, uh, they owned all those local radio stations. In the last few years, they said, all right, we're just going to make it national, mm. so you can hear Capital FM and Heart FM across the country. And it's I don't know Emma Bunton or someone like that doing the yeah, show. Yeah, they've got some. Yeah, they've got a lot of um, stunt casting, haven't they? You know the old, the old saying. Oh, he's got a face for radio. Yeah. Right? Meant that they were funny. They had something about them. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't clean cut TV. No. Now they put people that have a face for TV on the radio. Just yeah. Because it's like we've got a big Instagram account. Yeah. And I <laughs> missed out on a job recently. And. Uh, well, on a radio, on a radio um, job. This was like an online company. I better not pay to say too much because it still talks about me doing working with them, okay, cool. <laughs> interviewing yeah, people. And uh, the guy, and I admired his honesty, but he really shouldn't have been so honest because it just makes you go, yeah. "Why am I still in this industry?" He said, "Listen, we loved your, um, we loved your demo, and, and, and we really liked the screen test, and we, you, you were the, you are, you are our first choice. Mm-hmm. But this guy from Love Island says he's up for doing it. Oh and my like, God! You've actually said the words. And he, and he, to be fair, this geezer had 200,000 Instagram followers or whatever it was, and I don't know how many I've got. I just post pictures of my cats. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was the fact that he said you were the best uh, for the job, but a guy from Love Island is up for it. Like, me- oh my days. That probably means that he, the the guy from Love Island, whoever he is, he's probably more moldable than you are. Well, exactly, yeah, because he is he has not been doing the comedy circuit for years. He's not been out writing shows and testing stuff out and being yeah. in plays and sitcoms and panel shows and whatever else, trying to find who he is as a performer. He's just sort of, you know, I don't know, doing his normal job and happens to be quite good looking yeah. and, and, and a, 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 a certain level of stupid, ideally. <laughs> and then um, and then sort of shag someone on TV and they went, lovely stuff. Yeah. Like, You've got loads of followers now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't hate Love. I can't say I hate Love Island because it's it's it, it, it is what I think it is. it's open. It's open to the fact that it's it, it's sort of corny and crap. Yeah. And I think when you kind of own it, I'm like, yeah, fine, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a sketch called Doug Island, which is a take on Love Island. Nice. And um, it went, you know, quite viral actually. Check it out, DaveBibby.com. Um, <laughs> And uh, I was watching some Love Island to research it, and I just, you do get into it, you sleep yeah. into that little world quite easily. Yeah. Um, it's just addictive viewing, there's been another one on recently. Again, I didn't watch it all, but I watched a couple of episodes, what is it called? The Circle, it's called. The Circle? reality I've thing. I've heard of that, uh, like, yeah. it's... It, um, what is it actually about? Because I've seen, I've seen the, um, I've seen it's the bus. Like Big Brother, but they're all living in separate rooms or like self-contained flats within this building and then they can communicate from this thing called the circle which is kind of like a social media thing so therefore some people are like pretending to be something they're not so, so this this lady was pretending to be an 18 year old boy and had a profile picture of a young 
Hansen, actually he's our own son, uh, pretending to be this young lad. And then other people were just the real selves and other people were putting a persona forwards. And uh, I don't know, reality TV is bad, but there's a space for it. Yeah. As long as, I think people are getting there with understanding what goes on behind the scenes and yeah. how the producers take advantage of people and whatever yeah. and that, that's all of them you know people like to think that Strictly Come Dancing is good wholesome fun but the way they they make them train yeah and, and, uh, yeah. the way they went at um, Sean Walsh and Rebecca's uh, relationship last year was, was they were doing that for ratings I mean, of course they were their own thing they they, they made their own mistakes, which is uh, yeah. uh, obviously clear. He shouldn't have done that. But they held on to it until it suited them. Yeah. Uh, and they knew what they were doing, putting her on screen. And then, anyway, yeah, I shouldn't go into all that stuff. But reality TV is is, is, is horrible. As long as you know that it's that, yeah. you can just take it for what it is. Like, um, I was listening to a podcast like last year, and it had one of the people who've been on, who had been on Love Island, right? Yeah. And he, I think it was True Geordie, the uh, True Geordie podcast, right? and he what they said was that you don't know the actual time when you're in the villa yeah yeah. because they mess around with the clocks and stuff so you have no idea what the actual time is and you can't go out on your own it's all very 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 controlled yes and the drama is contrived and the word reality is misleading isn't it they are real people but it's contrived situations that's it um Towie and Made in Chelsea and stuff like that That's and right as long that. as people understand that it's safe but you do talk to some people and you think you don't understand that do you, you no. take, you've taken this Towie relationship at its face value yeah um, and that seems when it's a little bit dangerous but anyway like, what I love is that like you see these people throughout their daily lives in inverted commas but yeah. you never see them eat no, 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 no. Or you'll never see him drink something with a label on. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, everything is so specific, so put in a place. Mm. They've had a discussion about what's going to go down when they when you have this conversation. I want you to ask her about this. Yeah. How's that going with him? And then we're going to bring someone else in. I want you to be angry when we bring the other person in. Yeah. And then they go, okay, and then they let the cameras roll. See, that's why Weird. those people for the corporations that run radio right now yeah. would be great presenters because they can be moldable and yeah. you can just tell them like you can probably tell Roman Kemp yeah. right to say this and feel like and say and say you like this or say you know well you'll never say or ne- or he'll never say that yeah. he doesn't like something will he yeah. let's be honest there's a lot of yes men uh, these days and I think that's they think they're playing it safe but what they're actually doing is absolutely fucking killing the medium that they're yeah, on of course um, because TV and radio mainstream broadcasters are like trying to play it safe to keep everyone interested yeah. sorry you can't keep everyone interested now yeah. there's too much distraction you need to pick viewpoints and uh, styles and genres and just go for that that's right because otherwise some, someone will you know come and find it like I say I'm a big football fan and I don't necessarily watch the build up to a football match because it they'll put out the same old crap yeah. what I might do is listen to a podcast with people who have not played the game at the top level but have seem to have more original insight and fans mm. point of view so you can go and find that stuff and that's what the broadcasters need to do but they're too scared and yeah. they're, they're just they're not even going down with a fight like the press are newspapers are at least going out mm. with disgusting spite he's <laughs> <laughs> a daily man the sun we all know in a few years they're going to be gone like oh, the yeah. end of the world did well but Liverpool, you can't, well, Liverpool, Liverpool you can't get the sun anymore no very proud of that the yeah. northwest can't buy it um, and absolutely right um, and even like I say I'm a, a football fan 
Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool manager, he won't have a Sun journalist in the press conference. Good for him. Yeah, no, you just don't, you don't do it. And this is the biggest selling newspaper in the country, and they, they, they're trying to sell kits and merchandise, and he, what he says can get in the papers and to help control the team and what gets out, but he doesn't want that paper there. Doesn't matter. Good. Let's go. That's, that's really good to hear that there's some morality in the yeah. game of football. Yeah. But do you know what? Like I was thinking about at some point well at some point in my life I was thinking about going into trying to go into radio yeah but as you said now it's a dying media right yeah. and yeah, why yeah. would you do something with a massive corporation backing you when you can do the DIY thing like we're doing right now exactly it, that is exactly it and you can make your own decisions and you can make mistakes as well so you, you know you don't have to be worried that you know you go straight into a one million listenership yeah. thing where you have, right, you've got to say this, this and this, but don't say anything about that, don't mention this, here's the core lines that we want you to say, here are the sponsors that we want you to mention, just kind of, you know, you can just get out there and do what you want to do, and that's how you're going to grow. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know, if you're an offer, if you get offered the Capital FM breakfast show, just take it, mate. Like, like yeah, exactly, but, if, <laughs> but I, I know that I'd get fired from it, though, if I did, <laughs> yeah. like, I really would like to interview someone like Roman Kemp. Yeah. But to see if there is a human behind the whole facade. Yeah. But I doubt, because there's a massive corporation behind him, mm. I doubt that he, and his dad is Martin Kemp, so he's yeah. been in the industry since uh, since day one. Yeah, he's had a free ride. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I mentioned Johnny, Johnny Vaughan, and he's not out to everyone's taste. No. Someone else we, we could say is Chris Evans, who in recent years was BBC Radio 2 representative taking over from Wogan. You mean Mr. Billy Piper, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, exactly. And of course, he's incredibly mainstream, but again, like you don't have to like him, but he will at least give an opinion. Yeah. He'll, he'll be well read. Or someone comes in to sell their book, he'll challenge him on it. He won't yeah. just go, this is the best book I've ever read. No. Um, here's Pink. You know, oh, oh. If he likes it, he'll tell you. If he doesn't, he'll ask questions. He'll oh. push you. Um, and yeah, you've got to learn from that kind of broadcaster. Yeah. It's not about so much anymore. Speaking of which, do you listen? Do you watch um, the? the clips of James Corden the late late the late late show that he's got I've seen bits every right, now yeah. and then he had Demi Moore on and he had they had um, the challenge where he you got to if either you answer a question or you eat something disgusting right okay. she asked him um, you okay she said to him you said to me in the green room you love my you love my autobiography this is just released what's your favourite part about it hello he couldn't answer it because <laughs> no. he hadn't read he hadn't read it no but the line is you've got Debbie Moore coming on tell, tell everyone you love it yeah. yeah and then she says what bit <laughs> yeah it's lovely that's that's so sick isn't it yeah I mean not, uh, people like I, I know people don't like James Corden I'm not in that camp I do yeah. I do find him quite entertaining right yeah but at the same time be fucking where's the honesty yeah yeah why is there no honesty yeah. in this industry anymore yeah and I think when you get that big you know, you're in a strong position. You, you you can take some more risks then because you've made such a huge name for yourself. Yeah. And I think I'm the same as you. Sometimes I look at James Corden and think, oh, mate, he gets my tears. But at the same time, I really respect him. I've also seen him in the theatre. He can, he can act. He's good. Yeah. He's genuinely good. He can really hold an audience. He can be a big presence on stage. Yeah. Gavin and Stacey, he co-wrote. Maybe it's not the best sitcom ever written. But oh, I'll tell you oh, what, oh, oh. I beg to differ. I beg yeah. to differ. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, okay. I love it. Yeah, so no. It's right up there. Yeah. But, and, you know, the Christmas specials and stuff. You know, you've got to respect that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, once you get to that level and she says, Oh, I've got a new book out, we go, Yeah, it's brilliant. I suggest you guys all go out and buy it. Why have you read it? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> but that's, I just find that real, that, 
I trust there was more honesty. Yes. That's what I want. Yeah. And um, I think we're starting to see through it as well. And again, right. anyone listens to podcasts like this go, oh yeah, that is a bitch. Are you watch the Graham Norton show. Yeah. I talked to mates of mine are a bit more in the public eye. And talk about the lads that are in between us and when they were sort of thrown into fame. Remember them saying when they went over to America, they, all the chat shows were so um, scripted. So the researcher would call them up and say, you know, have you, have you got any good stories and you want to share with the guys? Like, yeah, come on, what do yeah. you got? And, and, yeah. and they'd say, well, there's one time when we were filming and I was punching a fish and this happened. Yeah. And then and then, so the interview would be like, tell us about that scene when you were punching a fish. And then oh. they'll do the anecdote and everything. They get a bit comfortable and it's great. Yeah. Uh, but um, English... Sort of journalistic interviewers wouldn't tell you what's going to come up yeah. and you'd get you know park you whatever put you on the spot yeah. and you'd have to wrestle your way out of it but all we all we have left now is the American style of say Graham Norton again respects him he does what he does and he's good at what he does but I can't I just can't watch that show where he looks out his clipboard and goes <laughs> <laughs> anyway Mr. Cruz Tom Cruise everybody Tom tell Cruise. us about the time you were in an airport and then he tells <laughs> a story about an aeroplane and then someone else goes out and he says how about you in that time when you when the stairs didn't come out he goes oh my god it's, <laughs> like, it was like watching a dress rehearsal it depends on me who's on the couch but yeah, I completely yeah. take I do take your point but um, I can't watch a full one but you I know I just maybe those maybe those days are gone but maybe, or maybe they're not gone. They're just, they're just in podcasts, and you know, other people. Mark Maron might, for example, challenge someone on a podcast yeah. more, more than Grant Norton's going to do on a on a BBC primetime show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it can't happen. So, do you? Obviously, you're a performer, right? Mm-hmm. What's your favourite type of thing? What's your favourite type of thing to perform? Is it in theatre stuff or is it stand up? Well, it's one of those things. I think. Whenever you're doing like live comedy, you're like, I miss doing like TV and film and rehearsing and getting into a part and really doing it. And then when you're doing film, you really miss live stand-up yeah. and live theatre and a real audience. So whatever you're doing, you just want to do the other one. Mm. And that's why I think, uh, listen, I graduated from university in 2006. So you're talking about 13 years in this industry. And... Obviously, I'm not a big star, but i one of those rare people in the middle. A lot of people are skinned. There's a yeah. tiny percentage who are loaded at the top. And then there's an even smaller percentage of people that just do all right. Yeah. And I go from one acting job to another, and then I say, actually, I'd like to do an Edinburgh show. And I write an Edinburgh show, and I do some stand-up, and then I go and uh, do a bit of writing, and I write for someone else, and I do a lot of presenting, Guinness World Records. So I just love my life. I love the variety. Yeah. I love that I get to travel a lot and be a presenter. And then, yeah, mon- Monday morning, 7 a.m., filming for a feature film. It's just so exciting for oh, me to nice. be doing that. And then I'm following that up with Panto. So that's the variety that so, <laughs> you So um, what feature film are you doing? I'm doing a film called Knuckle Dust, uh, which is a, uh, a British feature. I don't know how much I can say about it, really. But it's kind of somewhere between Snatch... Fight Club, The Usual Suspects. Nice. And they asked me to self-tape for the role. They've got a lot of big stars in it. Not like Judy Dench and Robert De Niro, but like people like, oh, her from Game of Thrones and him oh, from nice. that. Like good actors. And they struggled to find someone in my part, spoiler alert, who could do the comedy bit but couldn't quite do the drama. There's a bit of an edge to this character. So mm. it's really funny. And so they looked and looked and looked. And eventually the director, who I did a, a reading of another film, which didn't get made, because how often does that happen? Well, that's been made yet. And he said, well, what about Dave Bibby? And I was up at Edinburgh at the time. And I was like, I don't know if I've got time to do a self-tape. And then I read the script and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. I have to do this. And then, yeah, so I did a couple of self-tapes. And um, 
I was in Edinburgh for August. I went on holiday for a week, and the day I got back, I said, why don't you pop into the office? And you work so hard on an Edinburgh show, like pretty much the whole first eight months for a year. And then you're like, what do I do now? Literally, yeah. first day back off holiday, Monday morning, went in, they went, we'd like to offer you the part. And I went, brilliant, that's the rest of my year sorted. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a good year, really. Um, very lucky. So you've got the film coming out, that's, yeah. that's sick. Like, who's directing it? Uh, a, a guy called James Kermack. Uh, okay. He's directed a few different features and short films. Um, so it's, yeah, it's... It, it's kind of like a really big it's a big thing for me it's yeah. probably the biggest part I've had in a big big production but it's not like being produced by Universal it won't be in your local Odeon or if it is it'll be after doing the festival circuit yeah, that's, yeah but that's what um, I think that's the best way for films to do right yeah. now because I'm not funny but unless you are unless you're a Marvel movie or a DC film yeah. or a remake yes yeah, chances, yeah. Or, or a reinvention of a franchise yeah. chances are you're not going to get you're not going to get the actual yeah. distribution but yeah. I think that even though that's still a very very popular media yeah. people want to watch it at home yeah, yeah, so, yeah. and yeah you might find that this film ends up on Netflix or Amazon Prime yeah. that's very likely um, but again, that's why they'll take risks, and they, their budget won't be as big either. But I've seen some of the fight scenes and stuff that go into it, like just the rehearsals, and they're unreal. Like it's going to be so so cool. Um, and again, like the same as the radio. Okay, so there's they've got all these listeners they need to look after them. Keep it beige. Don't say anything yeah. offensive. Get me someone normal. Again, with the studios, do you want to do this really risky film that could be great or also could be shy? Yeah. Or make another Batman film or another whatever it is. Yeah. Well, you go with the money. And then, or if you do make the art art film, you say, oh, you need this actress, this actor, and this guy from Love Island in it. Yeah. Uh, whereas the reason I'm in this film is they struggled to find a part, and the director would see me in something else and said, get Dave Bibby in. Um, and then once I did the tape, they were like, yeah, this guy's good. Mm. But, you know, I never got a look in with a big studio film. That's um, good. Because they only pull from a little pond. Yeah, that's right. Um, that, so that's going to be really interesting for you from your perspective anyway yeah going from that to pantomime yes yeah and in fact i haven't told the panto this but uh there's a night there's one night of the night shoot that clashes with panto rehearsals oh, you don't get very long with panto rehearsals no of course not um, because you just like, get in get on the stage tell me where to stand um but yeah so i'll be sort of being like family friendly in the day all rehearsals and then go and do this night shoot and go to sort of gangster mode um but that's, I just love it. And I just, I absolutely, I feel hashtag blessed no. uh, <laughs> that I'm able to live this life. Um, I, I'm not a wealthy man. No. I'm a long, long way off being a wealthy man. Yeah. But I make a living from what I do. I've got a nice little house with my cats and my wife. And, and that's, 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 that's when I do stop and look back at my career so far and where I want to go, yeah. I want to get to the next level. But I'm so grateful that I get to make a living from what I do. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate being on the comedy circuit as well that I sometimes I fall out of love with it and then I'm like that ah, doesn't matter I've got this theatre show for the next six weeks yeah or, or I've got a presenting job out in Madrid and that'll be fun and then other people who are just doing the comedy circuit they've got to just get their nut down and do it mm. but in the long run it is sometimes better to be a master at one thing than a, yeah. <laughs> like me and just being all right at everything. Jack of all trades, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're positive spinners, I can do it all. Yeah. Negative spinners, I'm not really good at <laughs> anything. <laughs> I'm just, I'm an all right comedian. I'm an all right actor. <laughs> I'm a good sketch comedian. I'm a good musical comedian, but I'm not the best. So, <laughs> so let's take it back to this year's Edinburgh. Yeah. You took 
two shows up this I year. I did, yeah. One of which I actually saw. Which one did you see? Jim and Dave. I saw the Jim and Dave I one. I saw the Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, the Jim and Dave show. So, um, how did you end up taking... What was the thought process behind doing two shows, first of all? Well, I don't... I, weirdly, it would have been none or two. Do you okay. know what I mean? So I decided that I wanted to go back to Edinburgh and do a show, do a sec- my second solo show, but my fifth year in Edinburgh would include uh, three years with Lead Pencil and my sketch group. Yeah. Um, so I decided I wanted to go back, and we did a World Cup show for Yahoo Sport, which was really, really cool, um, last summer. And on the back of that, they commissioned a Premier League show, and we just loved interviewing all our heroes, all these footballers. That was and, you and Jim. Right? Yeah, me and Jim were like the, we were the resident comedians. Yeah, nice. Uh, and it was really just great fun. And, uh, and 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 again, we were a little bit like we would make jokes that the lawyers would be like, you can't say that. So this Why broadcast across the world, oh. and they're always like, they won't get that in Malaysia. And I'm like, I know, but say for example, there was one. Oh, you don't even know what the joke is. But the punchline was Ronnie Corbett. Okay. And they came to me and they said, that's not international enough because it goes out across the world. I was like, okay. So we changed it to Tom Cruise. <laughs> basically, it just needed a famous short person. Short person yeah. It just wasn't as funny without Ronnie Corbett as the punchline. I don't know why, but it was. And so Jim and I said, right, let's go back because we used to do a podcast and we did some live shows. I said, I'm up in Edinburgh anyway. He fancied doing Edinburgh, but wasn't ready to do a solo show. So we said, let's have a word with the Free Fringe lads and see what they can do for us. And they found us a room. And then what Jim's wife got pregnant, so instead of doing the full month, we just did half, which That's was a cool. bit better for me because I was yeah. knackered. Yeah, I can imagine. Shows. So for the first 10 days, every day at one o'clock in Chattel Roma, the yep, free that's fringe, it. nice little free fringe venue, uh, we did our show and we had guests on every day. Uh, and it was just really fun. It, it wasn't groundbreaking stuff, but we did songs about football. We had yep. special guests come on from other shows uh, and we did sketches and we did a bit of a game show quiz thing running through it. And it was lovely stuff. <laughs> and on the back of that, we've had big meetings with, I don't know what I can say, but big broadcasters who are interested in using us just because we just rolled the dice a bit really if I remember correctly you did a parody of Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer yes uh, to Steve McLaren's that's hair that's it yes he's halfway there <laughs> what's halfway there what Steve McLaren's hair <laughs> that was um, <laughs> and it was a testament to you two because I had no idea what was I had no idea about the show or anything like that because I was, yeah. was going to go um, I was there I was going to see Steve McLean who was he was on he was, after yeah. on after you yeah um, but just I think I got a flyer from either you or Jim, from either you or Jim yeah and I was like alright and I went upstairs I went to the restaurant got myself something cheap to eat and yeah. then decided to motion down and I was like okay <laughs> I'm not into football yeah but this is still really entertaining yeah and that we got that from a lot of people and it was, it was weird in Edinburgh that like it used to be if you were too niche you wouldn't get people in now if you're not niche enough you can't get people in yeah that's it so, <laughs> so Steve was on after us did a comic book show and yeah. we were doing a football show and both of us for the most part had really packed out rooms yeah but just like yourself what would happen is people would wander in or a family would come yeah and the young lad loved football I remember one family there was they had two teenage kids a boy and a girl and they loved football and the parents didn't and the parents came up oh, to us put a bit of cash in a bucket and said well we love that we just came for them <laughs> and that happened nearly every day someone would be like someone's wife or boyfriend or something just said like, I, we, we've all picked we pick a show each and we go yeah. and see that and I've just come and I've really enjoyed it I mean that's the best feedback you can get isn't it really 
because some people are on on your side from the beginning thinking wow yeah. a comedy show about football and others yeah. are like oh my god a comedy show about football mm. and then come out and saying i loved it so so he enjoyed that so how what did you what do you take because you're also a stand-up right yeah what kind of things do you take from your acting life, from your acting life, or your acting roles into your stand-up? So, um, I noticed working with a director. And I was chatting to this. Um, Hamish McDougall directed my solo show. He's directed things like Abandoned Man, um, Joe Morpurgo, Hammerhead. Um, you know, lot, lots of great character musical comedy shows and a lot of those people like myself come from an acting background and what we do some of the things we do differently is we spend less time in front of an audience yeah we spend more time writing rewriting and more time in the rehearsal room so so example i've got a character a sketch i can spend some time with hamish and a few hours with him going over something is maybe worth 10 gigs but stand-ups aren't used to a rehearsal environment. So they go, I've written this stuff, I think it's funny. And instead of trying it out with a director or something, they put it in front of an audience. And that is, for some people, the right thing to do. Because then they get an instant feedback. That bit was funny, that bit didn't work. Or, mm, I'm gonna try that bit again. But for me, a lot, 90%, I can figure out if it's funny or not in the rehearsal room. And then you put the whole thing together and put it in front of an audience or take a full 20 minutes 25 30 minutes and um and then you just sort of use those skills like the first couple of years as a stand-up you're trying to find out what's funny about you and you're also trying to master mic technique confidence yeah. in front of an audience or on the back of doing some good gigs they put you in front of an audience there's 100 200 300 people and that's quite intimidating but if you're from an acting background and you've worked in theatres a lot of theatres I've worked in would be a thousand seaters. Now, of course, someone's told you exactly what to say, where to stand, and, <laughs> and yeah, what, what right. to wear. But you have an experience of dealing with an audience, and you know that you take your time over things because you get a wave of laughter as opposed to just a giggle. So you just try and take bits from each. But mm. vice versa, some directors love me coming in from the comedy circuit. You know, I've done a lot of hidden camera shows as well because a lot of actors just can't think on their feet. Yeah. And so when I'm filming or something, someone will go, that's great, yeah, we've got it. Dave, do it, we'll do one more take. Just do what you want this time. Okay. Because they know that I can think on my feet and that's the confidence from being in front of the live audience. Mm. Um, so yeah, you just try and take something from each little bit, don't you? I think you just try and... And then that's that's what makes me unique. So like I say, you spend the first few years trying to figure out what's unique about you. Yeah. One of my things is I can do variety. So yeah. my shows be stand-up and then sketches and I'll do some songs and then uh, I'll get the audience up and I'll tell a story and I'll get a few people out of the audience to play characters in the story and I'll narrate the story and just improvise around it um, and then people go oh well, I'm just, I didn't see anyone else doing that this year um, as opposed to stand-up you have to be unique in content you have to be individual in content and creative in what you want to talk about because the form the medium is established everyone goes oh it's stand-up I've got it done so it's harder to play with the medium, so you've got to focus on the content. With me, I can play with the medium a bit. So it's a stand-up show. Oh, he's doing a song. Oh, he's rapping. He's in a pigeon outfit, doing a rap. What is going on? Oh, now he's doing a story. So I just like that, you know. How did you come up with the title for Crazy Cat Lady? So, um... That was the title of his Edinburgh show, by yes, the way. Yes, yeah. One. Yeah, Crazy Cat. Well, Crazy Cat Laddie. L-A-D. Lad, 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 lad. <laughs> so being who I am and having my kind of upbringing when I got into hashtag showbiz 
I was immediately thrust into very laddie roles. And I did a bit how I played a lad. I can't think why. <laughs> I know, can you imagine? <laughs> Top lad like me. And uh, I couldn't understand that the reality of me was I just want to be at home with my cats. Right? Yeah. I've got two cats, Snoop Catty Cat and Bibby Smalls. Mate, what? Snoop Catty Cat <laughs> and Bibby Smalls. Bibby Smalls. Oh, yeah. I love it. Are they boys or girls? Uh, uh, Snoop's a girl. Oh. And Bibby Smalls is a boy. They're rescue cats. Oh, bless them. Uh, I love them so much. The best thing that ever happened to me. And I talked about it in my show how like cats like um, clinically proven to re- help re- uh, reduce stress and anxiety in your life. Just stroking a cat and hearing a cat purr, lovely stuff. And so because I do uh, sort of suffer with the ups and downs as uh, uh, a way of talking about uh, it, it like that, and I just like being my cat. But my professional life is the lad. So I play parts like um, being a lad on a stag do, um, a bloke in a pub putting a bet on. I was the face of Betfair for years and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and I was a quick fit fitter, the ultimate lad role as far as I could tell. <laughs> uh, they were talking about filming my show, a couple of different people said, we talking about filming it, but it's a bit of a legal minefield. And they said, mm-hmm. we're not sure quick fit will be happy with you saying, um, that you're a quick fit fitter but you don't know anything about cars <laughs> so it was a mix of me talking about my cats but talking about lad culture and how everyone gets stuck into a into a type and who you are and then i just once i embraced my type and just mm. said okay if i can earn a living from doing this i'll do it and i'll be going hey, lads, 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 and then go home and just sit there with my cats and think this is this is the real me quiet life i live in welling garden city uh, i've got a nice little garden and I've got, you know, just, I just sort of love life. Uh, but the persona that gets put on screen is the ultimate lad. Yeah. So, yes, but that, the crazy cat laddie, content-wise, is kind of about that. And then form was, was like I say, I'd do a sketch, and I'd do some stand-up, and I'd do songs, and I'd do some storytelling, and I'd put it all together. That's there was a bit of a game show in there. Yeah, so a real mix. That's really cool, man. I love that show. I did it on the Free Fringe. Uh, my first time doing free fringe with both the shows this year. You did it with PBH, right? PBH, yeah, yeah. And I have to say, they really looked after me. The guys that sort of booked the venues and stuff. Well, I did a gig with one of them, and I was like, I've got this idea for a show, and she was like, Well, have you thought about free fringe? Because I've always done underbelly. Yeah. And uh, in the end, what I did is I did free fringe up in Edinburgh, and then underbelly in London. So a sort of way of like just loving Edinburgh by doing a free fringe because it's more fun. And then ca- cashing in by doing a September show yeah. in the Underbelly, which is a big 500 seater. So, what's <laughs> the difference between Underbelly and Free Fringe? What are the pros and cons? I think the big switch for me, and it, it depends what kind of stand up you are as well, what kind of comedian you are. And it was a little risky for me because I use projection. And like I say, I need, I need, there's, there, I didn't have any lighting changes. I have PBH are quite good for lighting, are quite good for lighting. So. Yeah, some of them have got like, if you look at like the cinema room at Banshee, for example, I was in Globe Bar, um, which had, the lights was literally like a switch at the back, on or off. And so I do quite ambitious shows technically. I've got a lot of projection, I've got a lot of music, I need a technician there with me. And um, uh, Paid Fringe will give you tech time, three or four hours in the space to play around. Um, and they've got all these, you know, LED lights so you can have different coloured lights and things like that. But at the end of the day, if you're my level of comedy, which is kind of good without being famous um, and you put two flyers in front of somebody who's just a general fringe punter and you say this is this is this guy he's on the underbelly oh he's so funny he's great I've never heard of him oh he's brilliant £10 or this guy oh he's so funny he's great 
I've never heard of him. He's free. Give him a try. Yeah. You go to the you free one. Yeah. And the first time I did the fringe was 2013, and I was underbelly with lead pencil. And the free fringe was still a little bit like had a had a reputation for people that didn't get a paid fringe venue. And then that very quickly changed. And then I was like, I took a couple of years out, and I was like, oh, this, this is this is now changed. That is definitely not what it is. There was there's there's suddenly more creativity on the free fringe mm. and more mainstream comics and perhaps stuff that I doesn't excite me as much on paid fringe yeah so I just thought well let's give it a go <laughs> and then I'll compare the two because I've got experience of both yeah. and I have to say the feedback I got from talking to other comics is like well you've done a free fringe what was it like and they're like oh yeah I mean it's a fucking shit party some of the venues you know they're, you know, they're all over the place but I had the most fun on the free fringe. Yeah. I had the biggest crowds on the free fringe. And you think of that mid midweek, halfway through the fringe, or the final week on a Wednesday, oh you talk dear. to paid fringe people or free fringe people, and the drop-off at paid fringe is horrendous. Because yeah. there just aren't enough people. But free fringe, you can just keep that buzz going. Yeah. You might still have a drop. For yeah. me, it was lucky. By that final week, I was, I was turning people away. But... It, my final week in paid for inch, I was like, please, I was like, come, come yeah. see my show, come on. Like we, like, <laughs> it was kind of weird for us because I was part of free, I was a free handoff, right? Yeah. And okay. We were at Dropkick Murphys, which right. is I, I like the, I really do like the yeah, venue. Yeah, I've seen stuff in there. Yeah. yeah. Hard room to play, but you, yeah, you, you become better. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. And that's what you're there for, right? Um, but we did have a drop off towards the end towards the end yeah but we calculated everything and yeah. we made a profit excellent we made a profit <laughs> on the, the show dream. and i was like on the show i mean forgetting the combination that kind of stuff because yeah, you're never yeah. you're never going to make that back yeah that's real. quite tough to be honest but yeah. where do you think edinburgh is going do you think it's in a positive place or <sighs> to be honest depends what hat you put on you, you do notice in the last few years people having open conversations about how fucking unfair it is and it's been like that for years and years and got worse and worse and worse but because those conversations are happening you hope that it can still be an amazing place yeah where say working class voices yeah people from wider backgrounds or even overseas can say i can come and give it a go yeah um I have never had PR in Edinburgh, and that is reflected in the amount of reviews that I've had. So you were, Edinburgh is wonderful and an absolute shit house. Yeah. And if, say if there, you know anyone who's been in Edinburgh who, who might be listening to this, go, yeah, that's about right. It's brilliant, but also shy. And there's people thinking, I'd quite like to go to Edinburgh. Yeah. Go up and have a little look first. Yeah. Immerse yourself in it. Maybe pick up a couple of spots. Yeah. Um, because until you get there and you see it, it's hard to explain. Yeah. Hopefully we're slowly, and everything happens very slowly, turning a corner where there aren't enough reviewers and they're all in the pockets of the PR company. Yeah. They slip them a bit of money and they say, listen, I'll give you this money if you, if you re- review X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I can't afford that, right? No. Like I said before, I'm very happy that I make a living from what I do, but I'm not a fucking millionaire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it blows my mind how people turn up to the fringe and I think, I've never heard of you. How are you in the Sunday Times? Exactly. <laughs> this is your debut show. Like, <laughs> and then and then you sort of, if you really want to, 
you, you follow that trail and go, oh, it's so-and-so's son, or yeah. it's, uh, it's related to X, Y, or Z. Um, but when I was at, when I was at university, there's a guy called David Owen Bell, who's like the vocal coach, right? And he was like, <laughs> he was terribly popular, a very old-fashioned oh, yeah. theatre. Yeah. This is how I speak. And I said, I'm going to go into comedy and call myself Dave. And he was like, no, darling. Uh, darling, you're a David. Everyone's a darling. You know, Dave, you're a, you're a David, darling. And now I'll be Dave because I know my casting type. But he had lots of good advice, lots of bad advice. But yeah. one piece of advice, right towards the end of a three-year course, he said. And he was talking about acting and show business generally, not comedy, but all of it, all the whole industry. And he said, this industry is not fair. And no. we were, you know, going, okay, oh, that's good. And he said, if you can't get to grips with the fact it's not fair, you will not last. Yeah. Look around this room now. That person you think is going to be a star probably won't be. That person you think is utter shite might make it so, so big. And most of you will drop out after five years. Yeah. And it's a harsh reality. But that thing, this industry isn't fair. If you can't deal with that fact, you cannot. You just can't last. That's true. You can't look at Keira Knightley getting another Hollywood film and be a young actress and go, I could have played that role. Yeah, well, her mum wrote the fucking film. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were never going to get that role. And she was in Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean and in Thunderpants when she was younger. So Yeah, so, you know, you can't compare your path to different people. So once you... And it's weird to say this, but it's so empowering just to go, okay, so let me set my own targets, let me set my own goals. Um, and so Edinburgh is is a microcosm of the industry as a whole. It's yeah. really, really unfair. Yeah. But it might take a long time, but talent will always bubble to the top. Yes. Either you work really, really, really hard or you get a lucky break, mm. or you don't work very hard at all. <laughs> and and the, you still get a lucky break. <laughs> yeah, and the weird thing for me is, so I started doing stand-up maybe around 2011, and I got pretty good at it, and I did quite well, and I got lots of paid gigs and something like that, and then I got bored of it, and I hated it, and I hated traveling so much. I hated going to Manchester or whatever, which at first I loved, and I suddenly hated going up and down the motorway for crap pay, whereas, acting seemed more professional and yeah. I stopped doing stand-up I then returned two years ago and some people who were crap are now brilliant and it's just through hard damn work yeah they just work really really hard and they got better and better and better and some people who are crap are still crap yeah that's true <laughs> so I, can't, I don't know what to tell you except hard work can get you there sometimes yeah right and it was amazing to see some people still in the same place and it was amazing to see people like Tezilias who wasn't crap who started at the same time as me he was good from the off yeah. not as good as he is now no. him Jade Adams Glenn Moore people that I gigged with when I started out in those small little open so did, you, venues. did you start off in the Cavendish Arms then? I did a couple of Cavendish Shams gigs, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I think everyone's been through there as well. Oh point. yeah, I'm there in a couple uh, of weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right, stage time, it's provided stage time for every comedian down the years. And yeah, and I come back and I just loved, I loved that people like that, like those three, Glenmore, Jay Downs, Tezilias, very talented, the hardest working people I know. Yeah. I remember chatting to Glenn, like, because when I did the sketch circuit with Lead Pencil and he was in Thunderbars, I'd see him then, and then I came back to comedy and I'm seeing it regularly now. Yeah. And we were driving up to a gig a little while ago in Nottingham, and this was a nice gig, paid gig, and he was doing the absolute radio breakfast show at 
you know, five o'clock in the morning or whatever. It reads, it does the news and the weather and all that. And I was like, how do you do it, mate? And he doubles up all the time. I saw, again, I saw him again a few weeks ago doing a gig in Walthamstow. Mm. And he was opening because um, he needed to get over to Top Secret or wherever he was going to do another set. And I was like, how? How do you do it? But I look up to people like that yeah. who were at one point my level, but now very much now I've come back and all those years have passed. I now look up to them and I know, okay, this industry is unfair, but talent rises to the top through hard work. Tez could have given up. He could have given up so easily because he must have been stuck in this circuit of years of being in the same place before someone said, you know who is quite good? This guy. And then he he would have felt progression, but at times it would have been running through treacle. Yeah. Jade Adams, you know, she wasn't naturally as, say, uh, charming and as good as Tez, but she was funny from the off and she just works so hard. And I love that. Oh, Jade, how are you? Yeah, just filming a special for Amazon Prime. That yes. is fan-fucking-tastic. Right. Because I've just come back into the industry and I'm working my ass off. And it's nice to know that it does work if you work hard. I think also a key thing is listening to criticisms. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are quite scared. Well, mm. they're scared to hear the the... Yeah, the truths of well, the truths about themselves. Yeah. So they can't grow. Yes. Like I did a gig last did a gig last night. Yeah. Um, didn't do well. Do you know what? It was mainly comics. Yeah. And I was towards the end of the night. A lot of them were on the phones. I was like, do you know what? I'm coming off after two and a half minutes. Fuck yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a couple of chuckles, but I was like, do you know yeah. what? You guys want to go get pissed? I want to go get pissed too. <laughs> Let's fucking do that instead. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But afterwards, I was just me and a couple of me and a few comic mates. So I, yeah. I, said, I said to them, I was like, right, what can I do better with my what can I do better yes. with my performance? Yeah. And they were shocked, and a lot of them were quite shocked. And I was like, you yeah. really want to hear this? I was like, yeah. How yeah. else can I grow? Yeah, yeah. And they gave me some decent enough enough advice. There's a guy I'm just trying to I can't remember his name. He lives in the Midlands, and he's about to be huge. What is his name? Oh. What does he look like? He is a white guy in his mid thirties, late thirties. Uh, I was gonna say Rob Mulholland, but he's he lives in Brighton now. But oh, he's, he's got, got kids. Got oh, kids. I can't remember his name. Is he's, it? Oh no, it's Adam. Is it, it's not Adam Rowe, is it? No, no it's Liverpool. Uh, Paul, Paul Smith. It's not Paul Smith, is it? Oh, it's going to annoy me. I'm going to have to find this out. Where was he? Where was he on? Was he on a hot water or? This was another Spiky Mike gig. Um, it was up in. But well, I'm going to find this out because right, it's going to annoy me otherwise. Because it ties in exactly with what you were saying. Not followers, following. Uh, uh, Spencer's fucking killing me now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you might have heard of him, you might never have heard of him. Um, let's find Scott Bennett. Yes. Okay. Scott Bennett, he was, um, I think he was down at Vauxhall Comedy Club last night. Right. I've yeah. seen him a few times now and I've gigged with him and he's very, very good. And I did a gig with him a little while ago and it was, this was just for Edinburgh. I saw him again the other day. And he went on and he did a load of classic good Scott Bennett material and then he did this stuff he'd been on a spa day literally at the weekend with his wife away from the kids and he did all this material about a spa weekend and he smashed it this was new material and he killed it and he came on stage and like you said right instead of going another one in the bag yeah. I'm, actually, I'm so good at this on to the next one I'm going home he sat in the green room and it, I don't know him that well where, that, that where was, was this gig? A spike this mind. was um, up in Derby the bless okay. The bless his Monday night gig that he's ran for years, and um, and we sat in the green room, and, and he said, oh, 
and he was chatting to this other co comic and me and this other guy and he said oh, there's a bit there that I did what could I do what could be the punchline to that what's a better what's a twist that they wouldn't see yeah. coming and I was blown away one because I was like I've seen loads of good comedians and he was a good comedian yeah but the fact that he was really good and like say with you coming off the other day and saying what could I do how could I do that better yeah. I was like now and then since then I've seen him a few times and I spoke to other people like Tony Cowards who's in my agency Tony he's been Cow on the yeah. circuit for yeah. a long time I, 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 knew, I knew him well, I've, I met him a few times well because in Edinburgh he used yeah. to do Masai Graham show. He, did, he did Masai Graham show right and Masai was the lead into our show, so I got to know Tony quite a bit. Yeah, lovely funny, fella. Funny enough, he was meant to be on the podcast as well, uh, but because there was a mix-up with dates and stuff, we're trying to work it. We're still trying to work it out. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah he's wonderful a, guy. He is a good egg, he, and he's another one who just works really, really hard. And actually, I hope Tony doesn't mind me saying this. He had a really tough Edinburgh this year. He did. Yeah. He, 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 he wrote it on his Facebook. That's so right. Yeah. That's yeah. He did. And I went to see his show, and it was brilliant because. I say I do songs and sketches I do all these things I could not write gags like he writes okay and he put out this brilliant show and, and the night clean. I was there there were maybe six yeah it's just brilliant and he did Britain's Got Talent this year and he got yeah. four buzzers brilliant everyone's like that was amazing you're gifted didn't even get a sniff he wasn't showing at all on TV um, and I spoke to a couple of people who done that actually a couple of people went on and it died yeah. and this is tying in again with the whole Edinburgh thing Edinburgh's just got too big it's like comedy what you can't just be funny anymore of course not he just stands up for an hour and he's funny right you need a niche so I'm we're trying out this football show and I'm doing a show about cats packing it out I was literally and yeah. it sounds I'm trying to make a point here but I was literally turning people away people are sat in the aisle stood at the back every day and Tony Cowards who for my money is a much better comedian than me yeah. was walking in to his venue saying hello to the technician waiting no one turns up walking back out again so it's, it's it's knowing how to play the game these days, isn't it? And I accidentally got the word cat into my title. Mm. And people, a lot of middle-aged women, would turn up with cat earrings and necklaces mm -hmm. and show me pictures of their cats on the way in. Oh, bless. <laughs> and then, of course, I was doing something different. I had to win them over. And yeah. It wasn't all about cats. It was about growing up more than anything. But it was you just got to get a crowd. And yeah, if you're good, it. you entertain them. Then they tell their friends. Yeah. And Tony did his show called Stepdad Jokes. Yeah. And it was partly about being a stepdad to these kids but it was mostly just a really good comedy show yeah and i was ch chatting to my uh, our agent about it halfway for edinburgh at a point i was like why is tony not smashing it when people like me who aren't as good and haven't been around as long doing really well and i said is it the niche thing and she seemed to think yes i think it might be it was just like you open that brochure with it well yeah. what is all of this and so if you can find a need, either you're famous and everyone's going to come and see you, or you're in a venue where people go, who's on next? Yeah. Or you just find a way to bring the crowds in. Yeah. Um, another mate of mine, Brendan Murphy, he did a show called Friend. And I've seen his shows down the years, and he's a very good character comic. And this year he had the idea for Friends. And it was kind of like a one-man Friends. But then it also wasn't that. But once you call it Friend, and it's about the sitcom Friends, he was selling out every single day course, and yeah. they had to put extra seats in of course um, and you can be cynical about these things but at the end of the day right if someone offers you a load of money to make the film that you've always wanted to make or to make the Avengers 29 or whatever yeah. we're on now make the Avengers yeah. 29 <laughs> whatever yeah, exactly. because more people will see it 
and anything that you want to say will get heard as opposed to creating your masterpiece that no one ever sees well or you can create or you can do avengers thing and then do something and then do your little indie film afterwards exactly that yeah yeah and without doing the big things without pulling in without selling tickets without getting reviews without being happy because things are going well yeah nothing wrong with that um you will give up and yeah. you'll say this industry is unfair and i said well, i listened to a podcast and david told me i told you it's unfair yeah it is <laughs> so you just gotta find the balance between being true to what you want to do and deciding if you want to do it as a career yeah and making a living from it because you'll be the old Dave who gave up a few years ago yeah um, and then watch people that are some that are worse than you some that are better than you some that are exactly the same suddenly start doing really well just because they got their head down and worked hard yeah so you got to yeah and you yourself as a comic keep doing that you know um, and yeah those, it's, those, it's those kind of people that come off for a gig mm. and say hmm could that bit be better yeah or why did the audio, what you know I, I won them over in the end yeah you did that was a positive but why didn't you have them on board from the exactly, first exactly yeah uh, and it, you know the other so I do sketches and characters and the other day I did a gig and I did all my songs and stuff and I went up and I just for some reason started improvising taking a piss out of the venue all yeah. the light was on the wall at the back and not on the performer so mm-hmm. I started taking a piss out of that they'd put this shitty like glitter curtain up and I was going <laughs> this is show business you know ripping it and the audience were loving it and I did my sketches and they went down really well and in between I started improvising again and I was like I used to do stand up and then I stopped because I went out of love with it came back started doing character and sketch and songs and then the other night was the first time I started accidentally doing stand up again <laughs> and the drive home from where was I uh, where is some race course town near Northampton anyway I was driving Toaster I was in, doing a gig in Toaster wait there's a town called Toaster a, yeah T-O-W-C-E-S-T-E-R alright <laughs> yeah. alright fair play and it's lovely it's a proper Waitrose town lovely stuff oh of course it is <laughs> so of course you can it. look at the audience and go you're, do- you're all doing well let's all go and laugh you shop in a car don't you <laughs> yeah you, yeah, exactly you either someone delivers it from a car or you go in and get a free car like, if we took you into Lidl you'd break <laughs> out in hives wouldn't you <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. hell oh I love a Lidl me oh, love brilliant. an Aldi love them um, but yeah so I started and I luckily got stuck in traffic on the way home and it gave me a chance to I started writing it down and in the end I just filmed myself doing about five minutes of material inspired on the, on the back of um, improvising on stage and then I couldn't sleep Thursday night and then yeah. so yesterday for the first time in ages I'm always writing I'm just yeah. writing this whole show and I yeah. write for other people and I write for other shows and gags and whatever I'm always writing, but for the first time in ages, I sat down and wrote what I call normal stand-up. Normal stand-up. About relationships and stuff like that, and I was just like laughing at myself for doing all these characters for so long. You just got to see where you're at. But again, I wasn't in the mood to do that gig. I was like, oh, I've got to drive up here and then yeah. there's traffic. And then I looked at the audience and thought, oh, they're quite old, for fuck's sake. Yeah. They're going to not like, like these, these references. And then actually, I had a really good gig, but it was the bits in between just being Dave being myself that I thought oh I'm onto something again here um, and so yeah I really I sort of suddenly yesterday I was like oh I might start doing normal stand up again <laughs> it's about having the things in different parts in it yeah um, yeah and I know I know for me personally I do a weird song about a rapping pigeon if I walk on the stage <laughs> and do that some people might laugh some people might be freaked out if I walk on say hello talk about something that's happened that day something that's been in the news etc 
the audience go, oh, he's fine, he's a nice guy. Yeah. And then when I go weird, they see the difference. Yeah. So then it's funny. Whereas if I just walk on and be weird, they're just like, it's just weird. Yeah. So you have to, you have to be yourself at some point, I think. Um, so, the sitcom Mum. Mum. Like, I watched the first episode like a year ago. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of, I liked it, and I was yeah. like, okay. But then I started watching other things. Yesterday, well, this morning, because yeah. I know I was doing this, I watched. I thought I'd just watch the first episode and see what happens. Yeah. I got three episodes in, and Did I you? almost didn't want to come because I was watching. <laughs> yeah. last night. It was so good. Good. I'm, I, yeah. I mean, so has no one come on this part and talked about this one before? No. Okay, that's interesting. That's like, interesting. Because, well, it's weird because they. It's it's kind of an. It's a. It's gone like three seasons in. Yeah. But. I don't think really anyone knows about. No one really knows about that it. That is weird. I, I made a couple of notes of the characters here, actually. But um, I, what? So Stefan Galazowski or whatever his name is, the yeah. guy that wrote it, he wrote him and her. I loved him and her as well. Well, I haven't seen the fourth season yet, the fourth series. Now, but the first three, I loved. Him and her, very good sitcom. It sort of took things in the royal family yeah. and like magnifying glass comedy, go right into these tiny little details. Yeah. And, and I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. But Mum, for me, is is miles above. And I don't understand why it doesn't get... Because him and her won BAFTAs and stuff. Yeah. Best comedy. Well, that's because, Russell Tovey, like, that's because Russell Tovey, like, he is... He was he's kind of the it boy. Yeah, was it? yeah. Well, he was the it boy. I mean, he was and in... And Sarah Soleimani was in it, yeah. wasn't she? She was and, fantastic. And Joe Walsh was in it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it had a lot of people in it who yeah. were maybe not the biggest British names yeah. but we're on the cusp I mean he went off and did that um, that that gay show that gay show didn't he yeah. didn't mean it like the, the wrong <laughs> way but it was the gay show it was the, yeah. the, gay, the story about the gays yeah um, and good. that um, yeah it was great and, and, and again like this is my thing like, looking that's it looking, <laughs> looking. <laughs> yeah I can remember it. looking that's the one um, yeah and again like there's a difference between like stunt casting and having someone like oh they're in it and then bringing yeah. loads of people in that won't then enjoy the blooming yeah. thing or stunt, stunt casting with someone who then can't do the job who will get you more viewers but will ruin your <laughs> work of art your script is fantastic yeah. and getting people in that make other people go oh Russell Toby I yeah. quite liked him in that I'll watch him in he this. was good in that he was good in Gavin and Stacey and then you sneak in new talent yeah <laughs> so that's, that's the key isn't it so Joe Wilkinson um, not Joe Walsh Joe Wilkinson sorry yeah Joe Wilkinson was the weird neighbour yeah. he used to come in um, but yeah so mum follows on in that kind of style and for people that haven't seen it it um, it, t- it starts in a place where um, with the focus on a mum and this mum the centre of every family yeah. has lost her husband yeah uh, and then all the people that are there have lost someone. Yeah. She's lost her husband. Um, the, the, the bloke that comes round who is clearly in love with her yeah, has yeah. lost his best friend. Yeah. He was the best man at their wedding and yeah. he's clearly in love with his best friend's wife and now yeah. his best friend has died. Um, the son has lost his father and the... the <laughs> he's got the he's got the girlfriend who's who has a bit of an absent mother, doesn't she? Yes, exactly. Yeah. A mum that's sort of horrible to her, and uh, and then you've got the parents of this guy who we never hear, hear from obviously because he's died when it's and they come round and all of these people and, the, and her brother and her, 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 and her brother. brother and his wife who <laughs> I I love I love so Pauline good. I so love <laughs> she's yeah. What I really liked about these characters is that 
every single one of them isn't as they seem as you first met them. Exactly. Like when you meet yes. the girl, when you meet the girlfriend, you think that she's just a ditzy bron. Yeah. She sort of is, yeah. right? Yeah. But at the same time, she's a broken individual. Yes. And there's there's so many layers yeah. to her. Yeah. Right. And with Paulie, yeah. her brother's wife, her brother's wife, <laughs> we think that she's got it all. Yeah. She, on the face of it, she has. Yeah. She's fucking lonely. Yes, exactly. She's so and lonely. She's, uh, her from the her divorce yeah. that's gone through, and this is it. So that's why with any sitcom, you need to watch a few episodes because I watched this. I remember it, when it, three years ago, maybe the first. Yes, yeah. 2016 it came out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, about three years ago. And when I'm writing and working from home, sometimes at lunchtime I'll stick something on that yeah. kind of half relates to work. And I put this one on, and yeah, like you say, like the girlfriend comes in, and she's like a ditzy Essex girl, and I went, oh no, please, not another sitcom with a ditzy Essex girl. And then, um, you know, some, you know, Pauline, who's just really harsh, and then you go, oh no, 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 he lets you in to say yeah. that these are real people, they're comic devices, they've all got something there. But then every time Pauline is horrible, yeah. you feel sorry for her. And yeah. you laugh at her line, but you feel sorry for her. As opposed to just someone who's horrible. Yeah. And every time she's, uh, the, the, the girlfriend says something ditzy, instead of laughing at the, the ditzy thing, you kind of laugh and go, oh, because oh, you know that yeah. what she's being through. Yeah. And all of these, it's like fine dining. Like, yeah. It's such a simple sitcom. Yeah. You know, that's the best way to describe it. Like, oh, mate, oh, I was at a meal in Chinatown last night. Yeah. This one that was sweet, and then this one that was yeah. spicy, and this one that was full of flavour. They had all these different dishes. As opposed to a Michelin style restaurant, they just give you this one dish. Yeah. So simple, but perfection, right? Yeah. And some people might be like, I don't get it. And, and mum, as a sitcom, is, is like fine dining. Yeah. It's so simple. But it, it, it zones in so perfectly mm. on a few key ingredients. Yeah. So you've got the sort of loss there. You've got this romance running through. Yeah. And you've got just the, the love of a family and how a family will stick together for everything. And you've got the classic device, the point of reference. So Kathy, who's lost her husband, mm. everyone around her seems to be a fucking idiot. Yeah. So she is us watching in, laughing at all these people, yeah. and then saying, yeah, I've got people like that who I bloody work with or in my life. In the same way that Tim is the way in in the office, yeah. the point of reference that you go up. Oh. So his eye rolls, you go, yes, I, I sort of have sympathy with him. It it reminds me of the greatest episode in sitcom ever, in my opinion, is the pilot episode of Fraser, because again, it's fine dining writing. Each each episode has a title, which you do as a writing exercise, but you would normally put it on the screen. No. And so it introduces each bit, and it's kind of like you. It's like the brother, and then Niles yeah. comes in. And you go, okay, so he's the brother, and then it's like the dad, and, like, and then it's Eddie. You know, oh, who's yeah. Eddie? And it's the dog. And it, they introduce each person so simply that anyone who wants to get into writing mm. sitcom needs to go away and watch that episode of Frasier and then watch Mark. Yeah. Because it's simplicity done perfect. Do you know what it kind of reminded me of? Did you ever watch a sitcom called Eight Simple Rules? No, I haven't seen that. Okay, so it had John Ritter, um, Katie Segal, and Penny from Big Bang Theory as a younger daughter, as one of the daughters, and a couple of other kids. Yeah. And it's passed off, right? At the very beginning of the second season, right, that when they were filming the show, John Ritter has a heart attack on set and Hi. dies, right? Jeez. So they had to shut down filming, 
right? But it's picked up for it's still picked up for a second season, and the second episode of that season, right? Um, John Ritter has apparently gone out for milk. Katie Seagal like, is getting the kids ready. She gets a phone. She then gets a phone call, right? John Ritter's dead. Her husband's dead. Okay. And it's a multi-camera sitcom. And it happened. What happens is they go out, or they all go out, and they all come back, and it's all almost dead silent. There's yeah. no, there's no laughter whatsoever. But it's interesting to me that that was essentially where Mum picked up. Yeah, 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 yeah. From where most sitcoms would either wait until something drastic happens to a, to a an a, a natural actor on the show. Yeah. But no, they just went yeah. straight through it. Because it's it's real, you know. The only thing certain is, is death and taxes. So this starts yeah. with a death, which is yeah. like crazy, you know. But it's totally relatable straight away, and we've all been in those positions, and we've all been. I remember a few years ago uh, when we lost my granddad, and um, uh, again up in Barrow, which is a seaside town where all my family are from, proper northern town. Northern. And uh, my nan and my auntie Eileen took took the ashes down to the beach. His granddad didn't didn't want a didn't want a gravestone or somewhere sad. He wanted to go on the coast road where he used to go walking the dog and where he worked all those years in the shipyard just said you go out and you, you um spread the out go on the boat and spread the ashes of the sea so we can all go to say goodbye to granddad um, and look across the irish sea this beautiful you know and today yeah that's a nice way to remember someone you love yeah and not a particularly religious family but my auntie my nana they put they put the urn down with those ashes in they put they dip their heads and they said a prayer when they opened their eyes there was a dog peeing on the urn <laughs> Cops his leg in a piss on the urn, right? And we're all crying, I'm welling up now. Because it's just like that is real life. But even in the darkest moment, yeah. that's where comedy can come back. And mum just dances on this line and I watch this comedy. And I'm if you anyone who's seen me live just knows that it's it's silly puns and characters and big stuff, and occasionally a little bit of heart, but mostly silly. Because my the first and foremost rule is you gotta be funny. Yeah. My first episode watching mum, I was like Ah, this is going to be one of those tragic comedies. It's more tragic than comical. But it dances so perfectly on yeah. that line. I cried every freaking episode watching nice. this. It's so good. Yeah. And, it, yeah, some people go for the heart and they go too soon. Yeah. So, for example, Ricky Gervais and, uh, and um, The Office play it perfectly. And in extras, he does a little bit of that again. And then you get to Derek, and some people like it, some people don't. But my issue with it, he went for the heart too quickly. He went yeah. straight for heart, yeah. straight, I'm going to make you cry. Same with his recent, is it Life After Death? Life After Death, yeah. Again, it was decent, it was good, but he went after it, I'm going to make you cry. And, and it makes you go, oh, come on, mate, just make me laugh. Whereas Mum is a bit more clever, in the same way that we know Gervais can do that, because he did it before. Yeah. It's a bit more clever in terms of, we're going to make you laugh, we're going to make you laugh, boom, here come the tears. Or, yeah. I'm going to make you cry, I'm going to make you cry, I'm going to make you cry funniest yeah. thing you've seen all, all week like, it's just dancing so perfectly on that line like for me one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the in the initial in the pilot episode she kept losing her glasses and they were on her yes, head on her head yeah but like, yeah. well, that's <laughs> yeah. because like everything was going on everything was going on around her yeah 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 and the, the relatives were becoming way too much for her to handle and she had to yeah, yeah. yeah. and her in-laws pull up and they go You've put weight on. Yeah, you put You're that, ginormous. That's a yeah, it's episode two, isn't it? <laughs> just like, I've not put any. I've not put any weight on. And she just puts on with it. Puts up with it. 
What have you done to the windows? I haven't done anything to the windows. Why is she lying to me? <laughs> <laughs> She's not lying to you. Do you know what broke my heart in the second episode of that, right? When she's talking to Jason's girlfriend's mum, right? Yes. The Ditsy Yes. Girl. And there was sort of a moment of realisation with the mum where she, where she was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be making fun of her so much. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And when they were saying all the positive things about the, about her, yeah. about, about each other, about their childhood lives, right? The girlfriend was saying, Oh, I was like, I was this dumb, I was stupid, you know, I was dumb, I was stupid, blah blah. Yeah. I was the ugliest thing in the world. And then she was like, "Wasn't I, mum?" It's like, "No, Kelly, you were the most beautiful baby in the world." Yeah. But then yeah, she, yeah. she didn't. But then she didn't believe. She didn't believe her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why. She, and then, and then for the rest of three seasons, they've set that up so perfectly that every time she plays Ditsy and yeah. does an awkward laugh, you know it's because she's had an upbringing been loved but been hammered constantly yeah and so she puts so if someone puts a dumb Essex girl uh, character into a sitcom we all go oh for fuck's sake yeah. Essex is a really big county yeah you can't generalise most people aren't like that fuck I can't believe you're doing this again and that he does that puts one of those sort of characters like that in there and then shows you how they can be real mm. and how you can have layered and not not just a uh, it's not just a stereotype. I haven't it, quite worked out Jason yet. Yeah. <laughs> what is great about Jason is me coming from a sketch background. They put in little sketch bits, and what they've clearly done is said. And he's just said when he started writing the sitcom, this character is always eating. Nice. <laughs> and she and uh, the governor takes over this in se- season three, and then both of them in every single scene, and this is like a sketch, are always eating. Yeah. No one ever mentions it. No. And even at one point, he's eating these crisps, and he and he goes. Oh, I'm starving. Boys drinking I can't something. Wait. Yeah, he's always yeah. eating or drinking or whatever. Or say, Mom, have you got anything to eat? <laughs> and they're getting ready for a funeral, and she's like, I'm baked a cake, and he's like, Oh yeah, and he's eating the cake. <laughs> just little bits like that that you just make these decisions. But yeah, I, th- I have to agree with you that that character, you're like, oh, everyone else you figure out with him, you're not sure. And I wasn't sure about him. In series three. The comedy is there from everyone, and the heart suddenly comes from him. Okay. It hasn't. He's just been this sort of annoying son who yeah. seems to not notice that his mum is going through the grieving process. Um, and then in the final season, so in the first two seasons, it's one month per episode. Yeah. In the season three, I'm saying season now. The Americans have won. Let's oh yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah, just accept it. <laughs> just accept it. it. I've Look. given up. Season series. What am I like? Season three. I'm yeah. first season yeah. anyway, to be honest. Yeah, it does work. Because now. it because it comes out every it comes out yeah. once it comes out at the end of well yeah and the beginning of the autumn season, doesn't it? Yeah. They all come out at the either at the beginning of the autumn season or yeah. the beginning of the spring season or the beginning of the summer season. And then yeah, they've got it right. The Americans have got it right, and it yeah. works. A show is a series, and every yeah. every but every every divided thing for yeah. a series is a season. Yeah. Well done, America. Yeah, it's a season. Let's give up. But yeah, it evolves around him. And uh, you know, anyone listening to this, the reasons to, I would really encourage you to watch Mark is if if you're a comedy fan, just really watch and enjoy it. And if you have any interest in writing, performing, directing, filming comedy, watch it in that, like I say, fine dining way. This doesn't great break, doesn't necessarily break new ground. It takes bits from, say, The Office or The Royal Family. Or him and her, which is yeah. his own ground, of course. But it, it 
pushes them further and, and it, it, it presents every piece perfectly yeah in the same way a chef might say today i'm not doing something crazy i'm just going to make a simple dish but i'm going to make it so freaking perfect mm. you're going to go wow this is the best pasta i've ever tasted Fuck yes and that it's a comedy equivalent of that of mm. just a really perfect dish um and it breaks my heart oh and it's got a good theme tune it does you can't have a sitcom fools and horses friends you know, <laughs> even the others. Yeah, you know, a cracking tune. It's got yeah. the cups, cup soundtrack. Da, 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 da. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna miss me when I'm gone, That's which of it. course ties into the whole uh, ethos behind it. It's, it is beautiful, and I'm a very much go on the comedy circuit and watch people performing clap back and yeah. say oh the Tories are bad and I'm like yes they are bad give me a new give me a comic view on exactly, that exactly yeah don't just tell me something that I already know like, sexism is bad racism is bad yes it is give me, give like, me a new angle do you know what it. I switch off as yeah. soon as someone mentions yeah. Brexit Trump <laughs> yeah. or Boris Johnson like, you better have something original to say in this but there isn't uh, no or Tinder like yes yes and I've been married for years I've, I've been married since Tinder came out so being on the comedy circuit and just being like is it like is there a comedy school that are telling you here are the things that you have to talk about mm. and you have to say I know what you think I'm going to look like X here's my experience as a Tinder and here's why Brexit yeah. is bad and you're yeah. going what and, yeah. and, and particularly you know I'm half I moved out of London a few years ago now I'm in Hertfordshire but I still gig quite a lot in London and then I go out and do these other gigs there's too much clapback what I mean by clapback is people saying things to get an audience to go yeah I agree with you yeah. as opposed to a laugh that comes from ah, I didn't see that coming yeah. and then they leave London and they can't cope with the fact that some people are like okay I'm, I'm in my 50s or whatever and here's the reason why I think Brexit's a good idea yeah. now I might disagree with those people but I need to be able to entertain them the same way yeah. or if I want to talk about Brexit which I don't really no. <laughs> then I need to find a comic angle on it and I actually quite enjoy watching uh, new comics in the London circuit dying their ass. Yeah, oh, it's in, amazing. In Leicestershire or oh, it's amazing, isn't it? Because <laughs> I'm like, you can keep your clap back in London. Yeah. But you've got to write some fucking material, mate. That's it. <laughs> that's but that's why London comics need to gig outside of London. Definitely. As much as possible. Yes. Like I, this week, I've been in Manchester twice nice. and read and read him once. Yeah. Like and that's how you fucking work. Yeah. And audiences are different. At the same time, like life in general there's more that unites us than anything else there's just subtle differences yeah and if you hope to one day be a TV comic you've got to do those gigs because what like I had a gig on Thursday night they were there were one or two people younger than me most of them like I say I'm 34 considerably older than me and it made me think in my age this is a bit of an old audience so if you're in your 20s and you're doing that gig yeah. you've got to find a way and they will be your TV audience yeah. as well as they're going to comedy clubs in London it's a slightly younger crowd on yeah. the free fringe it's a slightly younger crowd on the paid fringe it's a slightly older crowd yeah. uh, you've got to find ways to communicate to these different groups you, you know you can be and I've been guilty of this a little bit almost like a little cult following within your own little group yeah. your own little space but in order to make a career and longevity you need to appeal to a wider base mm. or at least if you don't want to appeal to them know how to and choose yeah. not to that's it <laughs> be skilled enough that you can do it if you want to or you can do something <laughs> mate it's been an absolute fucking pleasure talking to you thanks very much and uh, you? so, plug yourself man where can they find you right. so um, next for me yeah I start film go to davebibby.com and watch some of my it's like it's like a really shit Netflix you can go to the videos <laughs> page and watch all my sketches and Comedy Central some Radio 4 uh, um, some stuff on there uh, and if you're a football fan there's loads of interviews with 
my heroes that I've done um, and check that out and my next real uh, target now is oh, I'm not allowed to say am I a London festival that happens early on in the year I'm going to be doing Life the Game Show oh. um, which is going to debut on the 8th of March in London so once I'm here once I'm through this film and, and Panto the focus is that so, it, so, what's it's the game, a, so what's the game show about or you're not it's like... about life ah. and everyone is going to be born into the, the audience have to get born into the show I'm going to give birth to you either, and then you get split into different teams nice and uh, and it's about life so you've got different challenges like uh, Drunk Auntie a wedding which is a choose your own adventure game Post, uh, I'll be these different characters I'll be a drunk auntie because when you hit 30 a drunk auntie's like so yeah. why have you had any kids yeah, yet yeah. how are you doing have you thought about getting yeah, a mortgage yeah, have you yeah. thought about riding to Coronation Street yeah, yeah. and you have to survive this and so different people in the audience will take that on and all these different rounds in between me doing stand-up will be a competition life is impossible to win and this game show is the impossible impossible game show nice it's very much a work in progress but that's my next big project so well um are you going to take them out to edinburgh as well or potentially yeah. potentially i've got i've got three ideas i've got life the game show Dave Bibby recreates Jurassic Park and I think he's going to need your help. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now that I want to see. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what I think I kind of maybe should go for that one. Uh, and Dave Bibby fakes his own death, which is um, uh, uh, more of a theatre piece. So I'm going to, which is a comedy solo theatre piece. But I'm going to decide which one to do. Mm. Uh, at the moment, someone's asked me to do Life the Game Show, yeah. so I'm going to develop that and then we'll see where we go from there. Oh, sweet. So what about Twitter handles and all that kind of stuff? Twitter, I'm at Dave Bibby. Instagram, I'm Dave.Bibby. And Facebook, Dave Bibby. Dave Bibby Comedian or Dave Bibby Comedy or something like that. Um, again, my Facebook page, yeah, I put sketches and little characters up there sometimes as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to connect with more people. I've come back to the uh, comedy circuit and I'm doing loads of pro nights, but I don't know that many new material nights. Because when I started, I, I knew all of them and now I don't know any. So what, I'd love to hear you from mean, people. What you mean, some open mic? What you mean, open yeah, mic? Yeah, some places where I can mate, just come I'll, and try stuff mate, out. I will drop you some, I will drop you some names and I'll drop some names of promoters, man. Because yeah. even though it can be a bit clicky, the yes. London scene if you know it right yeah it can be brilliant yes i'd love to get into it a bit more oh, uh, man. okay like, like in the old days